Greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining Church on a Real Real podcast. R-E-E-L, as in a multi-platform broadcast. R-E-A-L, as in a genuine conversation or true dialogue about faith-based issues. I'm your host, Donna Means. I want to briefly summarize the previous episode before we move on to today's topic. In the previous episode, we talked about discipleship, the prerequisites of becoming a true disciple, requirements for discipleship, and the contrast between true disciples and other disciple types or other. We talked about discipleship, prerequisites for becoming a true disciple, requirements for discipleship, and the contrast between true disciples and other types of followers, namely spectators, opportunists, parasites, and traitors. We were able to see the continuity in Jesus' teachings relating discipleship. At the end of the episode, we conducted an introspective to answer the question, are we the disciples that God is seeking? After conducting the introspective, we may have come to three possible conclusions. The first being that we realized we were falling short, we were convicted, and now we're striving to be the true disciple that God desires. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit working in us, and we should be thankful to the Holy Spirit for allowing us to have insight into ourselves because now we have the opportunity to adjust our behavior. There's no shame in this because Romans chapter 3, verse 23, NIV says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The second response could be condemnation. We may feel discouraged by the requirements and feel that it's impossible to meet the expectation. Let me encourage anyone who feels this way. Please remember Romans chapter 8. Verses 1 and 2, NIV says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The scripture reminds us that we have been justified because of what Jesus has done, and what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Under the umbrella of salvation and the desire to truly serve God, we continue to seek God through prayer, Bible study, and other spiritual disciplines. Discipleship is a process that occurs in our daily walk. Any condemnation now comes from our adversary, who wants us to turn away from God. Instead, tell the enemy no. We should turn to God in prayer and ask that he would reveal to us the areas for improvement. Lastly, if you completed the introspective and concluded, lastly, if we completed the introspective and concluded that there is nothing we need to alter about our connection with God, We should seek God in prayer. As we pray to God, we should ask him to remove any spiritual blinders and reveal to us any areas of our spiritual walk 
that may not be pleasing to him. Our inability to identify where we are falling short is a symptom of being spiritually stagnated. Spiritual stagnation occurs when a child of God stays in the same place in their spiritual growth for an extended period of time. As disciples, we should be constantly growing and evolving. Disciples are simply students. We must actively pursue studying the teachings of Christ, routinely engaging in spiritual disciplines and praying without ceasing. Spiritual stagnation is dangerous as it can make us susceptible to false teachers and false teachings. This leads us to today's topic, false teachers, false teachings, and false prophets. Recent headlines spotlighting the questionable behaviors of high-profile spiritual leaders presented the opportunity to discuss this topic. Outraged individuals took to social media to vent their righteous indignation relating to the recent headlines. But before we go labeling leaders as false teachers or false prophets or indicating that what they're teaching is false, it is important that we understand their roles. And we also need to understand that the Bible cautions us against speaking against spiritual leaders. The Apostle Paul speaks about the fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. The NIV reads, What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of fullness of God. Paul tells us that Jesus himself implemented the fivefold ministry. Each ministry within the fivefold plays a crucial part in preparing God's people. Together, they work in tandem to uniform. Together, they work in tandem to unify believers in faith knowledge, and obtaining the fullness of Christ. Only Christ can truly express the fullness of God. We are whole only in relationship with Christ and in the energizing power of his spirit. All of God's richness is at our disposal. However, We must claim the totality as our own through prayer, trust, and everyday living for him. Asking the Holy Spirit to fully penetrate each area of our lives is a possibility. Making disciples in every country is a huge job God has given his church. 
This entails a variety of responsibilities, including preaching, instructing, healing, caring, providing, administrating, and building. If we all had to carry out this directive on our own, we might as well give up now. It would be impossible for us to do. However, God incorporates us as part of his body. Some of us are better at one task than others. We can obey God more thoroughly as a group than as individuals. Humans have the propensity to overestimate our individual. Humans have a propensity to Humans have the propensity to overestimate our individual capabilities while underestimating our collective potential. However, as the body of Christ, we can achieve more collectively than we could ever hope to do alone. A brief description of each gift within the fivefold ministry. The apostles, they are the sent ones. Their responsibilities were taking the gospel to unreachable areas, planning churches upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, appointing and training the initial leaders of a particular church. They were the original apologists. They were defenders of the true doctrine um, and bearing true witness to the existence of the Messiah. They particularly deal with specific problems regarding false doctrine or sins. They promote unity within the body of Christ. And they demonstrate and impart supernatural dimensions of the kingdom of God. Prophets, they're the mouthpiece of God. No matter how unpopular, they just say what God tells them to say. They speak only true messages. And prophets work for a specific purpose, mostly spiritual. Prophets work for spiritual purposes to serve God and the people. Major messages of the Old Testament address idolatry, unfaithfulness, impending judgment, calls to repent, the grace and forgiveness of God, along with the coming Messiah. Prophets typically have few possessions. Then we have the evangelists. They're the proclaimers of the good news. They study and dedicate themselves to study, and they're often used in the correction of false doctrine. They travel. They may travel locally or abroad to to spread the good news. They work with local churches, sharing about their evangelistic journeys. Some churches even support the evangelists in their endeavors, but they don't have a flock of their own. The major difference between an evangelist and a missionary is one the missionary is one who's sent on a mission, while evangelists are special preachers. Sometimes they're used as a revivalist. Then we have our pastors. Pastors are used for the perfection or for perfecting the saints. When I say that, I mean that they are used to help cultivate, develop, the spiritual maturity of their congregants. They are overseers of their congregation. They preach sound doctrine. 
They teach the gospel. The New Testament uses the terms pastors, elders, shepherds, overseers, and bishops, which speak similarly to a similar office. They are appointed by God. Unfaithful ones are definitely punished. Then we have the teachers. Teachers are needed. Uh, teachers must be mature in their faith and knowledge. Teachers only instruct, train, and guide according to the teachings of the scripture. And they have to practice what they teach. So in other words, they're living out what they teach. Teachers don't have to be ordained. Those that are capable of being teachers include parents, the Levites, ancestors, disciples, older women, and nature. It is a divine calling. And it can be used in and it can be used in combination with preaching. Now, just a brief on how they all flow together. Apostles initiate the flow into new areas or spiritual dimensions. Prophets discern and declare the direction and intent of spiritual flow. Evangelists gather in the harvest to produce a spiritual flow. Pastors deepen the flow and broaden the flow through spiritual guidance. Teachers affirm and correct flow through settings in biblical boundaries. Now that we've gone through the breakdown, let's look at what falsifies teachers, prophets, and doctrine. Doctrine is a set of ideas or beliefs that are taught or believed to be true. False doctrine is any idea that adds to, takes away from, contradicts, or nullifies the doctrine given in God's word. For example, any teaching about Jesus that denies his virgin birth is a false doctrine because it contradicts the clear teaching of Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. There were also three distortions of Christianity during the biblical times. They played a major role from the start, hindering the movement from getting started. The reason why I bring them up at this particular point is because a lot of these distortions still exist in various forms. Jews who have accepted Jesus as the promised Savior are known as Judaicized Christians. Therefore, any Gentile who wants to convert to Christianity must first convert to Judaism. They held the Bible in great esteem and respected God's decision to make the Jews his chosen people. They did not want to see God's directives disregarded or broken. This method poses a risk since it tends to replace God's law with human standards and traditions. Additionally, it eliminates God's apparent concern for all people from Scripture. Galatians was written by Apostle Paul in response to these beliefs. 
who believed that in order for the Gentiles to be saved, they had to convert to Judaism. And they would encourage You have legalized Christianity. Christians are people who adhere to a lengthy set of prohibitions. They consider that good deeds are how one gains God's favor. They understand the genuine change brought about by God should result in behavioral changes. Christians are people. This is a concern because it tends to convert accepting God's love, a free gift, into something earned. By doing so, Christianity would be reduced to a collection of unattainable restrictions, and the good news would become bad news. Lawless Christianity. This group who lives above the law are lawless. They don't need any rules. They hold the viewpoint that our individual experience of God's direction is more significant than God's word. They understand that God's forgiveness is not contingent on our own ability to live up to his ideal standards. It must be accepted as a gift that Christ's death on the cross made available through faith. This idea is false because. It disregards the fact that Christians are still fallible beings who often fall. This idea is false because it disregards the fact that Christians are still fallible beings who often fail when they when trying. This idea is false because it disregards the fact that Christians are still fallible beings who often fail when trying to live only according to what they feel God desires. True Christianity. Christians are those who firmly believe that God has graciously offered them redemption and eternal life because Jesus' death. They have accepted that the gift via their faith and are trying to live lives of obedience and thanksgiving for what God has done for them. With both heart belief inward and mouth confession outward, Christianity is both private and public. Obeying God is the result of our connection with him and the strength he gives us. We are now challenged every day to live the life with his help, having already received the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. False teaching downplays or ignores godly insight in favor of elevating human wisdom. False teaching causes one to reject God's perfect, infinite knowledge and embrace the human fallibility of False teaching causes one to reject God's perfect, infinite knowledge and embrace the human fallibilities, natural and finite and 
God's perfect, infinite knowledge and embrace false teaching causes one to reject God's perfect, infinite knowledge and embrace the human fallibilities, natural and finite wisdom. The struggle between biblical truth and erroneous teaching is essentially a debate over whose source or authority should be believed. False teachers. A teacher, a false teacher is one who intentionally deceptively promotes and presents false doctrine as truth. They cause division and confusion where unity and clarity should be. It is important to note that not everyone who teaches an error is a false teacher. There are numerous scriptures that highlight the characteristics of false teachers. The Bible refers to them as grace perverters, money lovers, Christ deniers, truth resistors, fable lovers, destitute of truth, bound by tradition, unstable, deceitful, and lustful. Lustful is not necessarily something sexual. Lustful is a strong desire of any kind. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3, through 3, NIV says, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there were false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive hearsay even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring a way of truth to disrebute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories that they made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. The Apostle Paul issued a caution that some individuals should quit teaching in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 5 through 7. Paul called the philosopher Paul called the philosophers being spreading The Apostle Paul issued a caution to some individuals that some the Apostle Paul issued a caution that some individuals should quit teaching in First Timothy chapter one verse five through seven. The Apostle Paul issued a caution to some the Apostle Paul issued a caution that some individuals should quit teaching in First Timothy Chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, Paul referred to the philosophers as different. Instead of the real gospel, their beliefs were based on imaginative speculation and foolishness. The folks propagating these incorrect teachings were really guiding people away from the truth of God because 
They desired the respect and power that came with being regarded as teachers. Not only were they propagating incorrect ideologies, but they were also acting selfishly. They participated in vain arguments about topics that didn't comprehend. They participated in vain arguments about topics they didn't comprehend, but yet made confident declarations about. Rather than being driven by a pure heart and a decent conscience and a true faith. Teachers are subject to stricter judgment. Teachers are highly valued and respected. Teaching was a highly valued and respected profession in the Jewish culture, and many Jews who embraced Christianity wanted to become teachers. James warned that although it was a good thing to aspire to, teachers' responsibilities are great because their words and their example affect other spiritual lives. The disciples heard Jesus warn them about false teachers. In Matthew 24, 11 and Mark 13, verses 22 through 23. In the moment, Peter was witnessing the fulfillment of the words he had previously heard. The people they educated should pay the teachers. But these false teachers tried to increase their income by twisting the facts and pondering to their audience. Instead of spreading the truth, they were more focused on generating money. Both Peter and Paul denounced greedy, dishonest teachers. False teachers were distorting the teachings of Christ and the words of his apostles. Just as the false prophets in the Old Testament had disputed the true prophets, telling people just what they wanted to hear, in fact, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says, For the time will come when people will put up with sound. 2 Timothy 4, 3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what they're itching ears want to hear. These false teachers are downplaying the importance of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Others argued that Jesus couldn't have been a real man, while others contend that he couldn't have been God. All kind of unethical and immoral behavior, particularly sexual sin, was tolerated and even promoted by these teachers. false prophet is someone who claims deceitfully to possess the gift of prophecy, to have been inspired by God, to speak on God's behalf, or to do something with ill intent. In the Bible, false prophets also spoke on behalf of false gods. False prophets functioned in their prophetic role illegitimately and for the purpose of deception. False prophets were active in order to further their own political objectives. They held 
positions where they had lots of money. Many were duped by their deceptive messages. They only spoke when the audience wanted to hear from them. Bringing God's word to the people was hampered by false prophets. They would deliver messages that were in opposition to those of the real prophets. They disturbed messages that relieved people's anxieties and catered to their wicked nature. People were given what they wanted to hear by the false prophets. Genuine prophets spoke the truth of God. Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 through 23 NIV says, Watch out for the false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are voracious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from vessel? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. We should assess the prophets or teachers' teaching by looking at their example. Not everyone that talks about heaven belongs to God's kingdom. We need to take extra caution to avoid false doctrine, false teachers, false prophets. In the same way that the tree we should ask, we should assess the prophets or teachers' teachings by looking at their example. Not everyone who talks about heaven belongs to God's kingdom. We need to take extra caution to avoid false doctrine, false teachers, and false prophets. In the same way that the tree are constant in the type of fruit they produce. Effective teachers continually display morally upright conduct as they try to live out the truth of the Bible. Any content such as books, tapes, collections, or TV messages should be scrutinized in light of God's word. Be wary of specialized interpretations or meanings that devalue Christ and his work. Thoroughly consider any charities before donating. Is it obvious that the teacher or preacher is serving God or furthering his or her own interests? Will the funds be utilized to support legitimate ministries? This does not imply that we should conduct witch hunts and expel pastors or other individuals who falls short of the mark. Every one of us is prone to sin. Therefore, we need to provide to others the same mercy that we need for ourselves. Jesus refers to false teachers who purposely spread incorrect teachings when he speaks of bad trees. 
the reason behind the teacher's actions, their course of action, and the outcome they hope to achieve must all be evaluated. Thank you for joining the conversation today. I hope you found it enlightening. I hope you found it thought-provoking. And I hope you'll join me next week. Remember, every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And until then, God bless.